0: Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I'm also joined, as always, by Terry, who's also in Minnesota with me, and Bob, who's in Virginia. We are three distinct voices, bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into this conversation. We want you to join in the conversation as well. You can do so by going to anchor.fM. Forward slash strange Catholics, and leave a message there. We also have a link in the description. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house here in Minnesota and in the Midwest. Now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations continue to be a light not only for us, but for you as well. Now let us welcome Terry and Bob into the conversation. Welcome to this week's episode of Strange Catholics. Today, we'll discuss some current events. We're going to dive into the sacrament of holy matrimony. And our saint this week will be St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take it away, Bob.
1: Good evening. It's Friday, so that, that hopefully that's great for everyone. End of another long work week. Um, good evening, brothers. Good evening, uh, and, sir. Good evening, brother. And, and to everyone else listening to this podcast, not a lot of current events with a, with a specific Catholic uh, twist over the last week or so that I could find. Uh, The one did just pop up, not Catholic specific, but you know, church religious kind of specific that just came out tonight, uh, a ruling from the U S Supreme court where they rejected a request from a church in Nevada to uh, block the enforcement of state restrictions on attendance at religious services. We know we've all been dealing with this. I'm We've dealt with it w- in Virginia. We've had our certain requirements by the, by the government, the state government and the local government and as well as the diocese. You guys in Minnesota have had uh, the same type of thing. Governor Walz just put into a place a, a mask uh, requirement indoors and I didn't read through all of it, but you guys can elaborate on that, but also the diocese that you guys are part of had social distancing regulations and all this other stuff. So this case is specific to Nevada, where they put a restriction on the amount of people that could be in church at one time, which was 50, which I think you guys may have had some of that early on. Um, Correct. They, right. they they uh, <clears throat> We never had that here. We just weren't open at that time. They so they 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 challenged uh, the the governor of Nevada's request and. Well, I back up a bit. A church in California did the same thing against a California law, uh, back a month or two ago. So it's a similar type of deal, but their you know their biggest issue was hey you're you're, it's an infringement on the constitution and our free expression of religion you know, we have a plan, we'll social distance, we'll wear masks, all these other things, you know, but you're treating us different, because uh, within the state of Nevada, they allow um, casinos to have more people, other businesses, restaurants, they're set at 50% of capacity per the fire code, whereas in the case of churches, you can only have 50 people. Now, it wasn't specifically churches. It, it's also, I think, movie theaters, uh, other types of gatherings like that, concerts and the such. So the Supreme Court ruled five to four against the, uh, they rejected the request from the church and, and it upheld a, I think it was the Ninth Circuit the ruling that said, you know, that this this was a, a valid law or a valid ability by this state of Nevada to put this, this uh, provision in place. So the church was only looking to go to 90 people. And like I said, they had a plan, but obviously the conservatives were in favor of overturning it because they said that, you know, it was violating uh, their rights and, and why would we treat them any different than we treat a restaurant or, or a casino and, uh, there wasn't much from the liberal side, but I they felt supportive with the lower court's uh, ruling that said, you know, they're not singling out the church and it's for health measures. So do you guys have any comments on that?
2: Well, for me, it, it's, it's certainly, you know, even though they say they're not singling out the church. I mean, if you're letting bars and restaurants at 50 percent of their capacity as per fire code, why wouldn't you do the same for the churches and, and movie theaters and other, you know, other places where people are going to gather? You know, let's let's make it a uniform, in my opinion, let's make it a uniform law where, you know, it's either this or it's that instead of, you know, hey, bars and restaurants, you can have more people than the churches in the movie theaters can have. To me, that just seems like you're kind of maybe not putting down, but treating the those the churches and the movie theaters and, and concerts and that sort of thing in, with a different hand than you would the restaurants. Phil, what are your thoughts?
0: I, I think the reason why they're doing that for restaurants is because most of restaurants are doing some kind of outdoor Right, or they're they're limiting the time inside the restaurant. Um, They're doing a lot too. So even if you know, say, uh, they have a percentage capacity, people are usually not in there for an hour because they're usually modifying (laughs) their menu to get people in and out faster. So they're making a lot of accommodations that way. I mean, okay, typically our mass now that we don't have music um, and we don't sing any parts of the mass, we only speak them. Um, It's 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes. So it's less time than it probably used to be, but you're in more enclosed space than even in a restaurant, I think, because I think there's more air movement just with servers and stuff moving around. I can see it. I can see it from that sense. I can see why movie theaters are also restricted in many ways because same thing you're sitting close i mean even if you're distanced it's not like your breath stops even with a a cloth face covering it's still going to move through your mask so you're you're still in an enclosed space and so they're trying to do what they can to understand what has been revealed thus far science related to say this is what we believe is the best scenario if i had to guess that's what they're doing in nevada
1: Well, I I don't want to, I don't want to put any, you know, make it a black helicopter thing for the, you know, the state of Nevada that they're trying to do something against churches. So this is all churches, churches, synagogues, mosques, you know, so it's not a Christian thing or a Catholic thing. But the cynic, you know, the cynical side could say, okay, well, one, there are people that do go to restaurants and they may spend an hour there. Now, they may try to hurry them up to get them out of there quicker. That's fine. I can tell you from restaurants I've been in here in Virginia, where we've sat six feet apart, we've been closer than we've been in church to people in, in, in the other pew because we're usually every other pew, and people don't sit next to each other. The other sad thing is there hasn't been as many people coming, obviously. and That's another issue we've discussed. Mm-hmm. And And the third thing, this will be the real cynical thing, is part of the reason we're allowing businesses to open at 50% capacity is we're afraid they're going to all go bankrupt and destroy the economy. We don't care about church in that context. True. Yeah.
0: I mean, there, there are aspects of all of those things that I can see and understand and I would agree with as well. So,
1: so I think, you know, Putting some sort of hard standard on there, I, you know, I understand it. I mean, I'll just read this quote, and then we'll wrap this, wrap up this segment, and move on. Uh, this was from uh, one of the Supreme Court justices. This is uh, Justice uh, Samuel Alito when he said, "Hey, he dis-, you know, he dissented in this, did, totally disagreed, and and thought that the uh, constitutional rights of this church were being infringed." He said the Constitution guarantees the free exercise of religion, uh, and he wrote in his uh, dissent, and he said it, it says nothing about the freedom to play craps or blackjack to feed tokens into a slot machine or to engage in any other game of chance. But the governor of Nevada apparently has different priorities. A public health emergency does not give governors and other public officials carte blanche to disregard the Constitution for as long as the medical problem persists so so obviously there's some disagreement on this, mm-hmm. so sure, so absolutely so,
2: well so, and Bob, maybe you want to stay on top of that and keep us updated, Maybe there might be uh, more fallout or or more updates on that
1: well, I think there's going to be more cases, so the reason the Supreme Court took this petition is you know they're out of session now they they end the end of the 30th of june is they end their term so um so this is the second one of these cases that they've taken up over the last six months during the COVID 19 pandemic as things move on they probably will take up more because there will probably be similar types of uh, challenges against uh, state governments and imposing these types of regulations it it's seems like that that's what's going to happen over the future. So I'll stay on top of it. So that being, does anybody got anything else to say on that? So we can, before we transition to talking about our main topic,
0: I was just going to ask, do you know if the California and Nevada cases were similar in trying to you uh, enlist their oh, first amendment, right? Or.
1: Yeah, I believe so. It's similar to um, so the California one, which was decided back in the middle of June, um, same thing, five to four, um, they still, yeah, the same thing. They, they their uh, claim was that it uh, interfered with the free exercise clause of the first amendment for, mm, okay. So same thing. So,
0: I just wondered if it was the same or if they're changing the way they're bringing it to different circuit courts or whatever. No.
1: no, it's pretty much the same. That ends current events for this week. And let's transition now to talk about our main topic. So this week's
0: main topic, as we mentioned, is about the Holy Sacrament of Matrimony. There are many aspects of this sacrament that we are going to unpack I wanted to just pull out a couple small snippets from the catechism to help the conversation move forward. Looking at the beginning of Genesis, when God made them male and female, and then told them to go forth and multiply, right? Already starting that covenantal bond between them. Yes, it was disordered after sin entered but still that's the vision that marriage is always pointing to, and then that going to that original covenant, that nuptial covenant that God brings both to his people, Israel, but then through Christ being the incarnation, now we get to see this in a new new way as Christ being bring, being the bridegroom and all of the church being his bride, so we get another kind of way of looking at the lens of how marriage works and what does this union look like. And then that all too famous quote from Ephesians, um, that I think is important to bring up because so often it's misquoted or it's mischaracterized when we, when we are looking to live our lives as married couples Especially as husbands, there's this call to us. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. I think there's so much beauty to that. And when we really take that to heart, what that means, that we as husbands need to lay our lives down as Christ did, once we realize what that call is and how heavy that weight is, I think it. We start to understand the the depth, the weight that we have in our role, but also the beauty. Because look at the beauty that flow, flowed forth from Christ's death on the cross.
1: Terry's going to pick it up now. Because Terry's got some real world experience with this type of stuff. I mean, at least working with other couples.
2: Yeah, we are. Uh, my wife and I are currently in our church uh, mentoring a couple on their way to the altar. And um, it's the same kind of thing that, you know, Phil just talked about reminding this couple of what, a, what the sacrament means, what it means to lay down your lives for one another. And one of the things that I do share uh, my wife and I share rather with couples um uh, is this article that we ran across a couple of years ago. um, And I thought it was very important. Now it is not a written by a uh, person who presents himself as a Catholic or Christian author, but it still does offer some uh, very timely advice and um, information, if you will, about marriage and, One of the main points is is that uh, marriage will cost you. And it says here, according to recent statistics, the average couple today spends about $26,444 on a wedding. That's a lot of money, but nothing compared to the real costs of marriage. Because like it or not, marriage will cost you more than money. It will cost you something great. It will cost you a price much larger than the money you spend on a ring or wedding or honeymoon. It will cost you yourself. If you are getting married with your own happiness as the main goal, you will be disappointed in a severe way, the author writes. Marriage is not about your happiness. It's not even about you. It's about love, which is something we choose to give time and time again. It's about sacrifice serving giving forgiving and then doing it all over again no wonder we choose divorce over commitment because often we are choosing personal happiness over real commitment over real love and real love is all about sacrifice about giving of yourself in ways big and small It's about offering forgiveness when you've been hurt. It's about giving your time, though it's not always convenient. It's about sharing your heart when you'd rather hold back. It's about cleaning the kitchen after a long weekend, even if it's your least favorite job. The list could go on and on, but it always ends with the same formula. You before me and we before I. And that's one of the main points we always try to emphasize always with... um, our couple's walking to the altar. And the the second point that we really try to hit home with them is a lot of people say it takes two to mar- make a marriage work. Well, it actually takes three. It takes that relationship between the two of you and your relationship with God. And so always remember that a sacramental marriage, a good marriage, takes three people to make it work.
1: Amen amen uh-huh. to that yeah. yeah so there's two things i'd like to emphasize one sacrament right if you go to the catechism and you read about the sacrament of matrimony you need not go any farther than the beginning at 1601 and talk about it talks about the matrimonial covenant okay so it's a sacrament meaning it's it's a it's a sacramental right it's a christian right it's a ceremony or a ritual regarded as impairing divine grace. So it's a sacrament. So it's very, very important, number one. And number two, covenant. Okay. A covenant, an agreement that brings this relationship of commitment between God and his people. So the covenant between you and your spouse and God, that's, that nobody is in the words of the, of the marriage rite in the big white book. A Thin white book mm-hmm. which, that says, right, uh, that uh, no bond, uh, you know, I don't have it memorized, but uh, <clears throat> the bond, uh, you can't no, no man can break that bond, right? That what God joins man, together, what well, joins no together, it, right? Right under. there, you go, you should know that, a guy you should know that from not watching it enough times on TV, <laughs> right? Yes,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> So those are the things I'd like to emphasize because those things to me are the key important things. You just got to start simple. It's a covenant and how important a covenant is and and that it, and it's a sacrament. We don't have a lot of sacraments. It's a sacred thing for us. It's important. You know. And
0: another yeah, so kind of adding to that sacramental part of it. This is actually one of only two sacraments that are listed as Um, sacraments of service so holy orders and matrimony are seen as sacraments of service they're not just for the individual like when I receive confession when I receive Eucharist that's for me and my own spiritual benefit yes it will benefit others but it benefits me primarily where matrimony is not just for an individual it's for others likewise for holy orders
1: right amen to that right and some of those other sacraments, like you just brought up, let's say about uh, going to confession, right? Penance, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, that's an individual thing, but that relates right into marriage. They all work together, right? So Absolutely. if you don't have a healthy uh, Christian life, a healthy relationship with God, that means you're going to Mass. You're receiving the Eucharist. You're going to confession on a regular basis because as we all know too well, marriage is hard work, right? It's difficult, uh, right? Yeah, so absolutely. you get yelled at your what you know, you yell at your wife from time to time, whatever those things are, you have disagreements in all these other things. You say things you shouldn't have said or didn't want to say, you know, you're not always the nicest person in the face of the earth. I, I, I'm probably not describing you guys, but I'm certainly describing myself. Okay. That's and, where
2: confession well, I'll, I'll comes just, in. I'll just say this. We are all a broken people. Hmm. We're all made imperfect in the likeness and image of God, but we're not perfect. So yes, we all do have our bad days. And sometimes, unfortunately, our spouses are the are the um, recipient of the wrath of a bad day.
1: Right, and vice versa, absolutely, yes,
2: absolutely, and that's kind of goes back to what I was talking about before. you know it's not about you, it's about being there for that other person, but the main thing is as long as long as uh you are maintaining a good prayer life as a married couple, and you're keeping the lines of communication open between the two of you, so prayer life between you, the married couple, and God. And the lines of communication open between you as a couple, I've even I've shared this with my kids on countless numbers of occasions. If we did not have our faith and our belief in God, we, your mother and I would have been divorced a long time ago. Because like you said, Bob, marriage is hard and it's much easier to just throw in the towel and give up. But that's not what God wants.
1: Indeed. Absolutely.
0: I mean, and I think, Bob, you mentioned, you know, how sometimes our actions are not always saintly, and sometimes sin can enter because we're sinful people. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, confession, availing yourself of the sacrament of confession as frequently as you can only helps um, your own, the graces that are being bestowed upon you Thus, then you're able to, you know, be a conduit of grace to your spouse as well. So just many opportunities. You're given so many graces abound. And so, so many great holy people will say the better you prepare for a sacrament, as in prepare yourself spiritually, the better, the more able you're able to receive everything that God is trying to give you. So for those that are out there preparing, discerning marriage, the more that you can prepare yourself spiritually is even more important than, you know, all the different wedding planning things. If you can really focus on the spiritual aspect of it and the, the grace, the fruits that will come from that are, well, are amazing. I've heard and seen that from countless others.
1: Right. And, and to all those couples out there that are getting married soon, that are listening to our podcast. Um, Remember it's a marathon. It's not a sprint and and you're going to grow together. And and the way to grow together is to have that strong faith that these guys have talked about. Got to have that solid foundation with God and a strong faith. And that's how you grow together and how, and how your love blossoms and grows as your marriage progresses.
2: Amen. So, Absolutely perfect.
0: Well said, Bob.
1: So this is this comes to the end of the uh, our portion on marriage. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back on the other side to talk about a wonderful saint. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. And this week on our Saint Spotlight, we're going to talk about St. Ignatius Loyola. And Terry's going to lead on this. Go ahead, Terry.
2: Well, thanks, Bob. St. Ignatius of Loyola, um, one of, a very personal favorite of mine. Um, his feast is celebrated on July the 31st. Uh, he was born October the 23rd, 1491 as, and I know I'm probably going to say this wrong, uh, Inigo Lopez de Loyola. He is the patron saint of the Society of Jesus, soldiers, educators, and education. He was the youngest of 13 children of a family of minor nobility in northern Spain. His mother died when he was just seven years old, and he was raised by Maria de Garan, who was the wife of a blacksmith. His last name, Loyola, was taken from the village of his birth. By the time he was 18, he became a soldier and would fight for Antonio Manrique de Lara, Duke of Najara and Viceroy of Navarre. Uh, Seeking wider acclaim, he began referring to himself as Ignatius. And Ignatius is actually a variant of his original name. As a young man, Uh, Ignatius Loyola was influenced by the ideals of knighthood and dreamed of doing great deeds. He had a talent for uh, emerging unscathed, despite participating in many battles. His talent earned him promotions, and he was soon commanded, uh, or he soon commanded his own troops. He was on his way to military fame and fortune when a cannonball shattered his leg in 1521. During this time of bodily improvement, Ignatius began to read whatever books he could find. Most of the books he obtained about were about the lives of the saints and Christ. These stories had a profound impact on him, and he became even more devout. Among his profound realizations was that some of the thoughts brought him happiness and others sorrow. When he considered the difference between these thoughts, he recognized two powerful forces were acting upon him. Evil brought him unpleasant thoughts while God brought him happiness. Ignatius discerned that God's call or excuse me, Ignatius discerned God's call and began a new way of life, following God instead of men. Now, having seen the mother of God in a vision, he made a pilgrimage to her shrine at uh, Montserrat near Barcelona. He remained for almost a year. Ignatius began recording his thoughts and experiences in a journal. This journal would be useful later for developing the new spiritual exercises for tens of thousands of people who would follow him. These exercises remain invaluable even today and are still widely practiced by religious and laity alike. In 1534, at the age of 33, he and six others, of whom were Peter Faber and St. Francis Xavier, vowed to live in poverty and chastity and to go to the Holy Land. Conflict between Venice and the Turks made such a journey to the Holy Land impossible, denied the opportunity to travel there. The group then decided to visit Rome. There they resolved to present themselves to the Pope and to serve at his pleasure. Pope Paul III received the group and approved them as an official religious order in 1540. The band attempted to elect Ignatius as their first leader, but he declined, saying that he had not lived a life worthy in his youth. He also believed that others were more experienced theologically. The group insisted, however, and Ignatius accepted the role as their first leader. They called themselves the Society of Jesus. Some people who did not appreciate their efforts dubbed them the Jesuits in an attempt to disparage them. While the name stuck by virtue of their good works, the label lost its negative connotation. Ignatius imposed a strict, almost military rule on his order. This was natural for a man who spent his youth as a soldier. It might be expected that such rigor would dissuade people from joining, but it had actually the opposite effect. The order grew. The Society of Jesus soon found its niche in education. Before Ignatius died in 1556, he established 35 schools and boasted 1,000 members. The order was responsible for much of the work of stopping the spread of Protestant Reformation. The Society advocated the use of reason to persuade others to combat heresy. Today, the Society of Jesus is known for its work in educating youth around the world. Several universities have been founded in the name of Ignatius and in the traditional Jesuit spirit. The Jesuits also perform many other important works around the globe. Ignatius passed away on July 31st, 1556 at the age of 64. He was beatified by Pope Paul V on July 27th, 1609, and canonized March 12th, 1622. He was a true mystic. He centered his spiritual life on the essential foundations of Christianity, the Trinity, Christ, and the Eucharist. And that is Ignatius of Loyola.
0: Beautiful saint.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Amazing saint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And his, I mean, we've talked about this on other podcasts. His 14 rules uh, for spiritual discernment. Um, absolutely just a game changer for me in my spiritual life.
1: Well, it's a must read. So spiritual exercises, it is a must read to read about consolation and desolation. Uh, it's right up there with uh, you know other works like uh, Confessions by Saint Augustine and others. I mean, it's just really is a must read, and it and it can be life changing.
0: Agreed. And so one one of the fact or little parts of the story that I've always liked about Saint Ignatius of Loyola is that image of him before the image of the Black Madonna laying down his military garments. Um, and gave his clothes away to a poor man. So you can already see how he's made a transformation in
1: 1522. So I've always loved Ignatius for the fact that there's a lot of things that I can relate to, right? His upbringing, and he wasn't really a religious guy, then became a religious guy. Uh, Was a military guy. Obviously, I have, um, you know, some experience with that. And then, you know, he was, uh, you know, a trendsetter. I mean, he, you know, he started the Jesuit order, you know, he had a, he had big ideas, right? They're going to go to the Holy Land, they're going to do all kinds of stuff. It wasn't that easy for him to get these things done and he was really an outstanding leader and and I think that's why I mean I've always had a tremendous amount of respect and love for this saint and I wrote a 12-page paper on it.
0: (laughs) That's part of it too. I've, I've really appreciated the angle that Father Timothy Gallagher brings to the rules. I think he helps to expand them and give some narration to them to help them more, be more digestible in the 21st century. That's my personal opinion, but.
2: No, I would agree with you there, Phil. His he's done some great work on um, Ignatian discernment and um, Mm -hmm. you know, we we've both, we've all three read, you know, a couple of books by him and uh, absolutely. I, and I think that's why it connected for me because it ties to who I am as a follower of Christ. Now, in this century, as opposed to, you know, when he walked the earth in the, uh, you know, in the 15th century.
1: Yeah. I mean, just really a great saint and appreciate Terry, you know, giving a biography of this saint and, and we get get an opportunity to talk about somebody that's had such a huge impact on our lives. And for all those people out there, if you don't know that much about St. Ignatius of Loyola, there are lots of resources out there that you can find online to read about his life and and find out more. And then also, as we said, you know, read the spiritual exercises and so on. So
0: I'll put some links in the description. St. Ignatius pray for us.
1: Right. Absolutely. Okay. So that covers the saint spotlight for this week. Um, Our new Segment short little segment here at the end on uh, uh, asking uh, for prayers. Uh, please pray for us. But we didn't get any uh, uh, prayer intentions from people out there. Once again, I want to reiterate: if you have prayer intentions, hey, bring them bring them to us. I mean, we're stronger when we get together as a group and pray. So, so please, you know, leave those uh, comments uh, or or send us an email at the address that uh, Phil will give you here at the end of the podcast. But so I open it up to my two brothers out there are there any prayer intentions that we have for this week
0: for all those that are pregnant and for protection of life from conception until natural death.
2: Okay. And praying also for all married couples couples preparing for marriage, couples that have are are in marriage And couples that uh, are walking through some (laughs) darker times in their marriage journey, pray for them as well.
1: Phil, you want to lead us through a short prayer intention, and then we'll go to the final prayer at the end?
0: Yeah, that works. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we bring before you the prayers that we have spoken and those that are in our hearts. We ask you to lift up all those that hear this podcast and those of Bob and Terry as well. We bring before you prayers of petition for all those that are pregnant, for protection of life from conception until natural death, for all those that are discerning marriage and preparing for the sacrament of matrimony, all those that are married, and those, Lord, that are struggling in their marriage. Please shower your graces, your protection, your peace upon all of them. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit.
1: Spirit. Amen. Amen. Before we do our closing prayer, uh, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us today on this ninth podcast, uh, which has just been a total joy for us to get out here and express our, our views and share the Catholic faith with everyone. Uh, We encourage people to rate us on whatever podcast platform they are listening to us on please subscribe we're on apple podcast spotify stitcher anchor wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a comment or send us an email and phil's going to give you that information right now
0: you can also go to anchor.fm forward slash strange catholics to leave us a voice message you may also send us your prayer requests your show ideas your feedback whatever it might be a question you have to strange Catholics pod. That's P O D at gmail.com. A link is in the description.
2: They can even share how awesome they think Bob's voice is. Amen. <laughs> yes, indeed. Do that, please,
0: please do that.
1: Okay. I will take your positive comments, folks, if you wish to give them to me. All right. <clears throat> so let's close with a uh, prayer in the name of the father yes and the, the son and the Holy, Holy spirit. spirit. Amen. Amen. Everlasting and almighty God, thank you once again for this opportunity to join in fellowship with Terry and with with Phil and with the whole community who is listening to us on this podcast. As we go forward tonight, please provide grace to all of us who, who are listening and their families and their friends. Watch over all of us as we go forward until the next podcast. We ask this through your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. amen. 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 And until next week, love you, brothers. Love Love you, brothers. brothers.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that it helps you continue to dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ and His Church. If you would like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Catholics. You can leave us a message there. We will play and respond to your question or comment as we are able in the next episode. We ask that you share this podcast and this episode especially with at least one person. This will help get the word out and help more people to join in the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps podcasts get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening, have a glorious
1: day, and may God bless you.